the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. I'm God in the flesh. And what does God in the flesh have to say? He even takes the terminology from Daniel, where the Ancient of Days bestows a kingdom that lasts forever among, upon the Son of Man. And he calls himself the Son of Man. I mean, when people say, I don't know who Jesus is, or Jesus claimed to be, never claimed to be God, he never, all he was was a teacher, you can't read the first three chapters of John's Gospel and come away with that understanding. You just can't. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of Grace to Live with Pastor Keith Crosby, lead pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us here on the broadcast today, studying God's Word. We would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, we'll be continuing with our Decoding Jesus teaching series. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us again to the Gospel of John, Chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. You know, we can't see the wind, we can't understand the wind, but we can sense the wind. And then he talks about what happens when somebody's born again. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You didn't see it happen to them, but you can tell it did. And he's really telling Nicodemus, look, you know, when you're struggling with this, you don't have to understand it exhaustively and completely. You just have to understand it sufficiently enough to embrace it. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? He's saying, help me, I don't understand. Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? Remember who Nicodemus is. He's on the ruling council. He's one of the chief theologians of the Jewish people. and He doesn't understand his Jewish Bible. And Jesus is confronting that. And we don't want to be too hard on Nicodemus because, you know, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man, the unsaved man, the unregenerate man, for the technical term, does not understand the things of God for they are spiritually appraised. And it goes on to say, but we, you and I, looking at this text, we have the mind of Christ. Nicodemus, like many in the world, like we saw in the video, is trying to understand the message of Jesus. Jesus answered him and says, are you the teacher of Israel? Then he says, watch this, verse 11, Truly, truly, I say to you, again, he's saying, I, the authoritative teacher sent from God that you acknowledge, truly, truly, I say to you, 
We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. He's saying, I'm from God. I'm explaining this to you, and you don't get it. You don't receive it. You don't understand it. And in verse 12, he says, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He's working with him here. He goes, look, I'm telling you what I've seen. I'm giving you examples from nature. I'm giving you concretes. And if you can't get that, how are you going to grasp the spiritual things? And then he makes this interesting statement here. Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the son of man. What he's doing there is he's saying, look, there was a a superstition among the uh, Jewish people that all of their patriarchs and prophets went to heaven, got taught, and came back down. And what he's saying is this, I'm the only one who has gone up and come down because that's where I'm from. You know, we have all these books today about 90 minutes in heaven and 30 minutes here or 40 minutes there. But the only one who's ever gone to heaven is the one who came back down again. You just don't come and go as you please. And he's saying to Nicodemus, look, I'm unlike any teacher you've ever encountered. And what he's saying to Nicodemus essentially is, I'm from God. And Nicodemus, remember, knows the scriptures, and he remembers the John the Baptist thing. The Pharisees sent people to John the Baptist in John chapter 1, and he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, referring to Isaiah, referring to to Malachi. God is coming. Jesus enters the temple and cleans house, does all these signs. Nicodemus comes, here he is. He should know who Jesus is. He, He gets it that he's from God, and now Jesus is telling him, in a manner of speaking, I'm God in the flesh. I'm God in the flesh. And what does God in the flesh have to say? He even takes the the, the terminology from Daniel, where the Ancient of Days bestows a kingdom that lasts forever upon the Son of Man. And he calls himself the Son of Man. I mean, when people say, I don't know who Jesus is, or Jesus claimed to be, never claimed to be God, all he was was a teacher, you can't read the first three chapters of John's Gospel and come away with that understanding. You just can't. And then he... He's given him the the example from nature with the wind blowing. He's talked about uh, uh, physical things, you know, the the physical birth and the spiritual birth. And now he gives him an analogy from Scripture to help him understand. From Numbers chapter 23, he gives him this passage here. And And this is what Nicodemus should be getting. Verses 14 and 15. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, look at verse 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For those of you who may not remember, in in, in the book of Numbers, the people had sinned against God and God sent fiery serpents in to, to bite them and they died. And the only way that they could live was to trust God enough that when Moses lifted up a symbol of their faith, they would look at this bronze serpent and live didn't make sense to them they couldn't fully understand what God was doing but it was a foreshadow of Jesus being lifted up on the cross and that whoever would look to him would have eternal life and Jesus is bringing Nicodemus back to the law of Moses back to the Jewish Bible and saying this is me and you may not understand this completely Nicodemus you may not understand it exhaustively you may not be able to unwrap it all right here and now but if you trust in me if you believe in me If you look to me, you will have eternal life. You will be born again. You will have the second verse, the second birth. So what I'd like to do for you here now, that was all introduction, is get into the heart of Jesus' message so that you can share it with other people. 
What I like today, I want you to understand the Christian message so that we can mentor other Christians with it and disciple others and also lead people or point people to Christ. I want to give you three simple truths we can draw from Jesus' talk with Nicodemus, Jesus' message, so that we can understand Jesus and explain him to others. And the first simple truth, the first observation we can make is this from Jesus' message, that salvation comes from outside of us. Salvation comes from outside of us. Where do we see this? We see this in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, most assuredly, absolutely, clearly, definitely, unmistakably, unless you're born again, unless you're born from above, unless you're conceived from above, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And in that culture, seeing was being. That's why you always talk about these things we have seen and declare unto you. They didn't care about what you heard. They didn't care about what you were told. They want to know what you saw. And basically, you will not see. You will not experience. You will not get within range of the kingdom of heaven unless you're conceived from above. Nicodemus thought he could keep the law, observe the law of Moses, and he would be okay. And Jesus is saying just the opposite. Jesus is saying we have to be born from above, conceived from above. And that makes sense. We, we can't purchase our salvation. We can't earn our salvation. And he uses the birth analogy to remind us that just like we had nothing to do with our own birth, our own conception, we have nothing to do with our salvation. It's a gift. You see, there are two religions in the world, and I've shared this with you before. There are only, only two religions in this world. I want to be clear. Many denominations, but two religions. There's a religion of human achievement, where I engage in sacraments, or I make sacrifices, or I face this way and do this ritual, and face that way and do this ritual, and observe these rules, and observe these practices, and I earn, buy, and purchase my way into heaven. I earn God's favor, and I have paved my way in. Every religion in the world, except for Christianity, is that religion. Hinduism, Mormonism, Islam, Buddhism, that's, those are all religions of human achievement and, 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 not, and a human and, of course, satanic uh, concoction. Then there's the religion of divine achievement in terms of what God has done for us. He sent his son to die on the cross, and with his resurrection, we have life. We have nothing to do with it. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. That's why it says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, this, For by grace have you been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And it goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We can't take credit for our salvation any more than we can take credit for our conception. Now this ran contrary to the teaching of the Pharisees and Nicodemus's understanding. It runs contrary to the preferences of the world in which we live and it runs contrary to some aspects of our society that is a meritocracy that you buy and you earn and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can't do that with God because there's none righteous, no not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus will drive this point home later. He's, got, he's fed the 5,000. He's got this huge following. And he tells them this, and they all walk away because they don't like it. John 6, 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. In John 6, 63, he says, it's the flesh that profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. Part of this discussion in John 3 is about something called regeneration. 
And regeneration, think of it this way. If you go to the emergency room and your heart is stopped, somebody puts the paddles to you. You have nothing to do with that. Somebody puts a defibrillator on you and jump starts your heart. That's what's going on here. Salvation comes from outside of us. The paddles are never applied by us. No one's ever done CPR on themselves. I mean, these are imperfect uh, word pictures, but you get the drift. So we have nothing to do with our salvation. It comes, it's a gift of God. It comes from outside of us. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. That's why in John's Gospel, chapter 1, it says, to as many as would receive him, that would believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the flesh, not of their own strength, not of blood, not of who their mother or father was, or the will of man, but the will of God. Salvation comes from outside of us, and this just didn't work with the Jewish mindset. So what does this mean? What does it mean to be born again? What is Jesus saying? This brings us to our second observation or our second truth. This is the second leg of Jesus' message. Think of the message like a three-legged stool. You pull one of these legs off, everything goes wobbly. We must be twice born to salvation. We already got that, I hope. But I just want to dig and plumb that depth just a little bit more. In John chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. There's the twice birth. That which is born of flesh is flesh, the one born of water. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel. Do not struggle against that I have said to you, you must be born again. Again, we we have to experience two births. I remember years ago about to do a wedding and I was, I do premarital. I don't marry anybody without premarital counseling. And, one of the, and I said, you know, let me, hear your, let me hear your salvation stories. One person was having to email it in because they lived in a different city. And they said, well, I was born into a Christian family. I've always been a Christian. I was a Christian before I was born because of who my parents were. And I'm like, wrong answer. You know, and in the end, I could not marry them and would not marry them because you can't marry a believer and an unbeliever, right? But the point is there has to be two births. You have your physical birth. We all have that. And then you have that being born of the Spirit where God regenerates your heart and opens your eyes to your need for a Savior. He puts the paddles to you, and he brings about your spiritual conception. Your eyes are open, you see the need, you embrace the Savior. And Nicodemus is struggling with this. And he tries to help Nicodemus out. You know, he gives him the physical thing about childbirth. He gives him a natural illustration about the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound. You do not know where it comes from. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit in John 3, 8. And he's really telling Nicodemus, and he's telling us today through the pages of Scripture, you and I, nobody in this room, will ever fully understand every single aspect of our salvation. We're not God. We don't have exhaustive total knowledge. We're not omniscient, all-knowing. We may not, we will not fully understand how it all works to the point that there's nothing that we can add to our understanding in this life. But we can understand sufficiently that we need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ, and that, there's, that that salvation comes from outside of us, that we can't buy it, earn it, or, or deserve it, that we need a second spiritual birth, and we can surrender to that. And he gives, and he gives uh, Nicodemus the scriptural uh, example in John three fourteen and 15, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That's lifted up on the cross, and that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their faith in him, whoever looks to him, 
like they looked to the serpent in the wilderness, may have eternal life. We must be born or conceived from above, twice born. It's not works. It's not human achievement. It is confidence, trust, dependence upon Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, God the Son, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world for our salvation. Let's look at our third observation, the third truth. And this really speaks to the exclusivity of Jesus Christ and of the Christian message. Bernie Sanders up there was struggling, resisting the idea that there is exclusively one way to God. But the fact is, there is just one way. Salvation depends upon the Son of Man. Salvation depends upon Christ and Christ alone. We are saved by faith alone and Christ alone. We may not completely understand how everything works, but we have to sit in that chair. We have to lean on that statement. We have to depend on that. Our salvation is contingent upon trusting in the crucified, the lifted up Son of Man who later became the resurrected Son of Man. Lifted up in the Bible is a euphemism for being crucified. And it's used multiple times in the Gospel of John and John 8, and here in John 3, also in John 12. And in John 12, we understand and we see, and we'll get there eventually, that the Jewish people knew exactly what lifted up meant. Because when Jesus talked about it, they said, wait a minute, who said the Messiah was going to be lifted up, crucified? But it says here in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him... And the word there is pastuo, is the, the root verb is pastuo. Pastuo means whoever faiths in him, whoever trusts in him, whoever puts their confidence in him, whoever looks to him will have eternal life. Jesus refers to himself here as the son of man as he did in John 1.51. And this is the exclusivity, exclusivity sorry, of Jesus as the channel, as the only means of salvation. It's not that the message is complex, it's just controversial. But we see Jesus saying the same thing later on in John 14, 6. What does he say in John 14, 6? I am the way. Not a way, I am the way. Definite article, precision. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That is the message of Jesus in John 3. You have to be born again. You don't earn it. You can't buy it. You're born from the outside in, changed from the inside out with the Spirit. You're twice born based on your trust, on your looking to the Son of Man, your faith in Christ, your belief that He is who He says He is and has done what He says He has done and can do what He says He will do. It's soul surrender. And again, it's not hard to understand. It's not hard to understand that without Christ, everyone stands condemned The burn got that, didn't he? He got it. It disturbed him. This is the Christian message. It's controversial. We saw that in our video, and you see it in the classroom and the boardroom. And things will only get more difficult. Salvation depends upon Jesus and Jesus only. It's unpopular, but it's true. And as Jesus stakes out his message here, he's putting the religious establishment in Jerusalem on notice. Here I am, the Messiah the Savior of the world. And here's what I believe. Unless you trust in me, you will not see, you will not enter, you will not experience the kingdom of heaven. Why? Well, that's the big idea here. What's the big idea? Jesus is the Savior. The Son of Man is the only means of salvation. Now, the question you're probably asking is, so what? What do I do with this? Some of you have heard this before. 
Some of you may be struggling with this because we're in the 21st century now. We're kind of part of a shame culture. You know, they say the more things change, the more they remain the same. If you go to Africa or, or even Asia, different places, there are shame cultures where you don't do anything to cause somebody else to lose face and you don't do anything to disturb the culture around you. And if you do, there's shame. You even see this among the so-called millennial generation. It's not what's true. It's what the herd or the tribe or the clan wants. And you don't want to swim against that stream. And we live in an age and an era of pluralism where everybody has their truth and everybody's right and this, that, and the other. But the fact of the matter is, that's not true. And so we face this in our culture. That if you are a born-again Christian, and if you're a Christian, you're born again. And if you're born again, you're a Christian. It's kind of redundant there. This is what you have believed. And if you have believed anything less, you're not a Christian. You see, it's not enough, Jesus is saying, to affirm divine truth generally, to affirm the supernatural, the spiritual. You have to have experienced it. You must be born again. You must have trusted in the one, the only Savior there is, the single channel to the one, the true, and the only God that there is. And that is simple to understand, but not so simple always to explain to other people because they react in a couple of ways, like Nicodemus or like Bernie Sanders. And it can cost you a lot from your job or in Jesus' case, it got him crucified. So what do you do with this? What do you do with the message of Jesus? Let me give you four suggestions for application. Number one, understand it. Understand it. Study it. Turn it over in your mind, reflect on it, understand it, because it is the difference between heaven and hell. Unless you are born again, unless you put your faith in Christ, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Secondly, Christian, own it. Don't make apologies. Don't try to massage the message. Just be faithful with what God has given you. Jesus has staked out his message in John chapter 3. This is the message of Jesus. Own it. Make it your own message. Be clear. Understand it, own it, and three, share it. Tell others about it. Jesus did. You have the cure for what ails the soul. Every soul, every human being, suffers from a terminal illness called sin. Through one man, Romans 5, 12, sin and death entered the world. And through one man, eternal life comes, Jesus Christ. Share that message. And finally, four, expect to be misunderstood. Expect difficulty. Expect persecution. They persecuted him, they'll persecute you. This life is short, but eternity is long. And whatever hardship you suffer in the here and now will be exponentially, unimaginably outweighed by the blessings in this life to come. And we want to share those blessings with other people, no matter what it costs us. That's why we're here. What is the message of Jesus? One, salvation comes from outside of us. Two, we have to be born twice. You have to be born again. Three, that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. And if I wanted to add a fourth point to a three-point sermon, it would be this. Those without Christ stand condemned. And that's just the way it is. There's no nice way to give somebody a diagnosis of a terminal illness. There's just no nice way to do it. But you know what? It's loving because they need treatment. And Christ, the cure for what ails them. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the message of Jesus. It is clear. It is simple. It is profound. It is complex. And it is controversial. Yet you have raised us up for such a time as this, to be beacons, lighthouses, pointing people to your Son. You have told us to so let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Master, 
Take what we have learned today, Lord. Burn it into our hearts and souls. Give us a hunger for the lost, a desire to disciple others that they too may understand and share the message of Jesus. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you. You sent your son to die for our sin. And with his resurrection, show himself trustworthy that whosoever would believe in him, would surrender to him, would have eternal life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We so very much want to thank you for taking the time to join us today to study God's Word. And it's important that we let you know that we feel so blessed that you join us here each day on the program. Please remember, Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside Church would love to hear from you. So please take a moment to drop us a line or shoot us an email to let us know how we can be praying for you. Here's how you can contact us. The church mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can also visit our website at hillside.org, where you can find out more information about Pastor Keith, view our calendar of upcoming events here at Hillside, and also get information on our service times. If you're close to the San Jose area, we would love for you to join us for worship. We are now offering two Sunday morning services here at Hillside Church, the first beginning at 9 a.m. and the second starting at 10.45 a.m. And we'll be continuing with our Spanish language service starting at 10.45 a.m. Remember, if you need more information on this or anything else happening here at Hillside Church, just visit our website at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll make plans to join us again next time as Pastor Keith continues decoding Jesus in our walkthrough of the Gospel of John. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, may the Lord richly bless you, and thanks for listening. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.